Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to get to look into the Word of God with you. Thank God for His grace and mercy shed abroad abundantly upon us through Jesus Christ our Lord, that we could be saved and a part of His family according to the riches of His mercy. We've been looking at Elijah, and we've got to 1 Kings chapter 19. We've seen the drought for three and a half years. We've seen Elijah raise the widow woman's son, Zarephath. We've seen him call down fire from God on the Mount of Carmel, and the prophets of Baal slain. And last time we saw him return to uh, with Ahab to Jezreel, Ahab tells Jezebel everything that happened, and of course she did not believe. And here, I, I believe we talked a little last time about the humanity of Elijah. And in James chapter 5, Elias was a man subject unto like passions like as we are. You know, we look at these men, <clears throat> I, I think of Peter, I think of Moses, Elijah, these, these mighty men, mighty men of the Old Testament and the New Testament, men of God, men of great faith. You know, they, they almost seem like superheroes. And we forget that these, these were men of like passions, just like me and you were. They struggled. They had hard times. <clears throat> they had times of doubt. They had times of uh, disobedience. They were just like you and me are today. And I, I, I think that's what makes the story of Elijah and Peter so, uh, so helpful to us is God lets us see that in them, especially and I realize he, we see that in others as well. But we see that especially <clears throat> with these two men. And we're going to see that in Elijah today as we look at the scripture. So Ahab has returned to Jezreel. It's raining uh, for the first time in three and a half years. And he tells Jezebel everything that's happened. And in verse 2, she threatens. She says, I'll be like those prophets if I don't kill Elijah by tomorrow. So she's breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. Now, was she that intent on killing him? Well, she's not going to die, and she's got no interest in dying. This is just a threat that sounds good and sounds tough, but that's what it is, is a threat. She can't touch Elijah, except the Lord would allow her to touch him. And I think there's great comfort and peace in that. The devil can threaten, the devil can despise, and the devil can hate. But as far as causing any damage, the devil's unable to get to us outside of the Lord allowing him. Uh, certainly, Job was hedged in, and there's no reason to believe that Elijah or anybody else that belongs to the Lord is not hedged in as well. And the devil has to request uh, permission in order to harm us. So thank God for that. And, and look, I realize it's not all going to be a bed of roses for them that are saved. There are hard things that God allows us to endure and go through. Certainly Peter, while protected by the Lord and delivered from the inner prison 
at one time, he's going to be crucified upside down at the end of his life. So there are hardships and trials that we face, but we can trust and know that God's in control of those. It's not the devil in control. God's in control. He allows things to happen for the good of those that believe the word of God and are saved. So she threatens Elijah. And we'll pick up in verse 3, chapter 19 of 1 Kings. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. So perhaps there was some, and it sounds like, depression and sadness and sorrow and pity for self here that we see in Elijah. He has ran, and now best that I can tell and that I can read, he left and went to Beersheba, which is about 80 to 90 miles and he left his servant there in Beersheba, and he went a day's journey anywhere from 25 to 30 miles into the wilderness. So he has ran, and you know, I don't know for sure, but somewhere between 100 and 120 miles, Elijah has ran from the threat of Jezebel. He's fearful, he's sorrowful, and... Let's look at a place or two in Jeremiah chapter 20. Now, Jeremiah was a man that was of God that that preached the gospel. And Jeremiah is a man that's not going to be heard. He's a man that they hate because of his message. He's a man that they throw into the dungeon and they accuse him of all manner of evil. And Jeremiah says this in chapter 20, verse number 7. O Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Every one mocketh me. So Jeremiah says, look, I'm in derision. I'm in persecution. I'm in a hard place day after day. And everybody in the country is mocking and making fun of me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil. Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. It wasn't the man Jeremiah that they despised. It was the message that God had given him to preach. The nation and country as a whole rejected Jeremiah because of the word of God. And Jeremiah was rejected because of the message that he brought. It was God's word. He says it here. The word of the Lord was a reproach unto me. I spoke the word of God and I was hated for speaking the word. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. So Jeremiah says, look, your word has caused me nothing but trouble. I'm in the dungeon because of the word of the Lord. I'm hated because of the word of the Lord. I'm mocked and made fun of because of the word of the Lord. So I can fix this by not speaking the word of the Lord anymore. I will not speak any more in his name. And I believe that there in the dungeon, he sunk up to his 
uh, armpits and the mire. And I realize, I realize to read this, it's easy to say, well, my gosh, what a weakling that he was. What a scaredy cat that Elijah was. But you put yourself there. Here's Jeremiah, and he's up to his armpits in the mire of the dungeon, being fed bread of affliction daily. Everybody hates him, and everybody's mocking him, and they'd rather see him die and out of the way. They care absolutely nothing for him. Jeremiah says, I'm, I'm done. I quit. I'm not going to speak the word of the Lord anymore. It's the word of the Lord that got me here, and I'm done speaking it. Now, Elijah, and I realize you say, oh, Elijah was a coward here. And you certainly could accuse him of that. It appears that way. But here's Ahab and Jezebel that had slain every prophet that they could get their hand on. They had killed every man that spoke the word of God that they could. We've got written evidence in the Bible that they did that. And the only ones that were saved was the ones that Obadiah, Ahab's servant, had hid from them. And the threat comes, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. Now you put yourself there. You've just wrought one of the greatest works that's ever been wrought. You've done everything that you've known to do. You've followed the word of the Lord correctly and directly. And you know, in our minds, we think, well, this is going to turn them to God. Surely this work that God has done and the rain coming down, that's going to make them repent. No doubt Jeremiah thought, boy, this message that God's given me, it's going to turn the heart of man unto God. And Moses, he went down to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh made it harder on the children of Israel when Moses first came and spake to him. Moses throwed down that rod and it became a serpent. But that didn't turn Pharaoh's heart. And God told him his heart's not going to be turned. He's not going to hear He's not going to obey, and he's not going to listen. But still that knowledge, still there was that doubt that enters the mind of man. And here Elijah says, what's the point of going on any farther? What more can I do? Why don't I just quit and die? It's better for me to die. Jeremiah says the same thing. But Jeremiah says, this is still chapter 20 of Jeremiah, Verse number nine, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. All my family familiars watched for my halting, saying, peradventure he will be enticed and we shall prevail against him and we shall take our revenge upon him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Jeremiah of his own will would have quit right there that day. And Elijah is going to do everything he can in his own will to quit right here. And Moses, when he was speaking at the burning bush, he made every excuse that he could to not go and speak to Pharaoh. But you know, none of those men got what they wanted. God would not let Jeremiah stop. God would not let Elijah to stop. 
and God would not let Moses out of speaking to Pharaoh. God works his will over top of ours, and thank God that he does, because if he did not, we would ever one quit. We'd ever one get to this place, and we'd say, nobody hears, and they're making fun of me, and they think I'm a joke, and they despise me for the word of God, and, and I'm telling you, this happens, this happens in churches today. The man of God is hated for the message, for the word, for the scripture, not for any other thing other than what he proclaims. And we'd quit and go to the house, and I think oftentimes it happens. People resign, people go to the house, people say, I'm done, I'm not gonna deal with that any longer. If it wasn't for God, we'd all quit. We'd all lose interest, and we'd say our life would be better if we didn't have to deal with all of this garbage from man. But thank God that he don't allow us to quit. Thank God he don't give Elijah the answer to his prayer. Elijah says, just let me die out here. God's not going to let him die out there. God's not going to leave him out there on his own in sorrow. God's not going to leave Jeremiah in a place of sorrow and sadness and fear. But God's going to come by and encourage so Jeremiah, he's being persecuted and he is disappointed because of the unbelief of the people of the message that God had given him. No doubt Elijah, Elijah is disappointed at the unbelief. In his mind, my God, what works, and we talked about it last time that Elijah had done and still unbelief. Now that's disheartening. What's the purpose of going on any farther? They're not going to believe anything. If she's not going to believe this, and if Ahab's not going to turn at this, there's no point in going on. But also, I believe he's afraid of her threat. In Matthew 26, we see the man Peter. And Peter was a man, and I believe when he said it, I believe he meant it, I'll never, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll never flee from you. But in Matthew 26, 33, now Peter's there, he's seeing him. He's seeing him mock the Lord Jesus. He's seeing him be beaten. He's seeing him be spit upon. And in verse number 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. I'm not going to do that, Lord. But just a few verses over, in verse 69, Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a dam damsel came unto him, saying, Thou art, thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them, That were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. You know where he got? He got in a place of fear, a place of watching them mock and beat the Lord Jesus. He didn't want to do that wanted to save his own skin, there we are. 
You know what it brought him to? He done what he said he'd never do. Now, if it was outside of the grace of God, we'd ever want to be like Peter. And when it came to our own skin, we'd give it up and we'd deny him. We'd quit. We'd do like Elijah did. We'd go out and say it'd be better for me to die. But now, ain't it something now that Elijah says, I just wish I could die out here alone. It's better that I die and yet the threat was to kill him, and he ran away from that. Elijah really didn't want to die. Elijah didn't want to perish, but he was in such a state that that's what he asked God for. So fear tormenting him, dwelling in Beersheba. Now Beersheba belonged to the kingdom of Judah, not the kingdom of Israel. When he came to Beersheba, he was outside of the realm of Ahab and Jezebel, and he was under Jehoshaphat's kingdom then. But even that wasn't good enough. He's going to run another day's journey into the wilderness, and he's going to hide there. In 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 21, here's David. Now David was God's man. David was anointed to be the king, and Saul, who was the king at the time, was after him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing for better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in the, any coast of Israel so shall I escape out of his hand. Now David says, look, he's going to get me. I've got no hope. I just need to run to the land of the Philistines and I'll hide out there and, and Saul will quit looking for me. Now, none of that was true. He did go to the land of the Philistines, but Saul wasn't going to catch him. No matter where he was, God was with David. And Saul didn't stop chasing him because he was in the land of the Philistines. The devil still ran after him and went to get him. So the lack of repentance and the lack of change and the threat against his life put him in a very bad place that he's going to flee and he's going to run. We, we know another prophet that wishes to die, Jonah, now this may be a little different situation, but in Jonah chapter 4 verse 2, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, I beseech thee, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. Now Jonah was a man that looking at the Ninevites, they were, they were a wicked people. This was the Assyrian kingdom. They were wicked, they were mean, they murdered, they raped, and they slaughtered countries that they took over. They, they were a wicked people. And in Jonah's eyes, 
These people needed to receive the judgment and the wrath of God. Jonah desired to see this place to be destroyed like they had destroyed all these other places. Maybe even some of Jonah's family and friends had been affected by the evil and the murder of the Assyrian army. So he wanted to see them destroyed. And when he didn't get what he wanted, he's going to be angry and bitter towards God. Say, look, God, just kill me. I didn't want to come down here because I knew this was what was going to happen. What silly, silly thinking. In disappointment, they wished to die that he might get his way. Jonah wanted his way. He wanted them killed and destroyed. So Elijah may not be in that way. I believe Elijah would have liked to seen him believe the word of God and turn to the Lord. And I, I believe that men of God, I believe that's their desire. We want to see people turn to the Lord. We want to see people repent and believe the message that we bring to them. And when we don't see that, it fosters disappointment and it brings us to a place, I, I won't say depression, but it brings us to a place of sorrow and a lack of maybe a lack of hope that it's ever going to happen. I do believe that's where Elijah was. I believe he was disappointed uh, at the unbelief and he just wanted to give up because he wasn't doing any good. Jonah was disappointed. He was disappointed that they believed and he was upset that he didn't get what he thought was going to happen. He said, Lord, just kill me. I believe Moses was disappointed when he went before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I, I don't know the Lord and I'm not going to let the people go. And he made it harder on the children of Israel. You know what men need? They need that encouragement and strength from the Lord. We're all that way. Paul the apostle, he prayed for a thorn in the flesh. The Bible says the messenger of Satan that buffeted him, he prayed that the Lord would remove it three times. But God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. It brings us to a place that we're not trusting in ourselves and in our ability. We're not trusting or boasting in what we've done, but we are completely and wholly dependent upon the hand of the Lord. That's where God desires his men to be. And it's something, uh, I find this amazing, and maybe you will, but how God trains his men and he trains them in the desert. There was Abraham. He's called out of his own country and called into the desert. And there God teaches him and molds him into the man that he needs to be. There's Jacob that's there at home with his mother and father and brother. And God brings him out of there and brings him down into the desert. And there the Lord teaches him. There's Moses who is a man in Pharaoh's house living as a prince and God brings him out into the wilderness, into the desert to teach him. There's David, a man in his father's house. God sends him out to watch the sheep in the wilderness, and there he trains him up and teaches him. There was Elijah here. There he was. He walks out of Scripture, and where does God send him out into the wilderness? And here he is again in the wilderness. He calls Paul the apostle. Paul says, I didn't confer with flesh and blood, but I went out into the wilderness, into the deserts of Arabia alone. He returned into Arabia 
and returned again to Damascus. God trains his men out there on their own. He trains them out there in the wilderness. And here he's brought Elijah to a place that he might train him. But now, and here's, here's the hard fact of the matter. Not everybody's going to believe. Moses, Pharaoh is going to harden his heart and he's not going to believe. Jeremiah, though you preach, though you teach, nobody's going to believe you. Isaiah, you preach till there's nobody left. Prophesy and cry aloud and spare not, but they're not going to hear you. Ezekiel, I'm going to make your face like a flint against their hard looks and their unbelief. And, you know, Paul the Apostle himself says, and I, I realize this is not easy scripture to understand, but in 2 Corinthians 4, well, it's not easy to swallow. Paul's talking about the ministry that he's received from God, that he's renounced deceitfulness and the uh, things of dishonesty, and he's working to preach the gospel and live a life that would be manifest in everybody's conscience. And in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves for your servants, Jesus' sake. So Paul the apostle is preaching the word of God. And you know what Paul says? Paul says those that don't hear, they don't hear because their mind is blinded by the devil. Jezebel is not going to hear because her mind is blinded by the devil. Ahab is not going to hear. Pharaoh's not going to hear Moses because his mind is blinded by the devil. The God of this world has blinded their minds. You're not going to be able to reach them. Paul, Paul can't reach him. Paul says, I'm, I'm laboring. I've renounced hidden things of dishonesty. I'm not going to handle the word of God deceitfully. I'm not going to live in a manner that would uh, uh, be contrary to the word of God. I'm going to try to walk upright so that the word of God wouldn't be hindered. And I'm going to preach the message. But there's people that said under Paul's preaching that the gospel is hid to because Satan has blinded their minds. For God, this is verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. You know who's going to hear? The ones that God commands the light to shine into their hearts. There's some that God's going to shine to there's some that God's not going to shine to. There's some that's going to be enlightened, receive the gospel, and believe. There's some that's not. Should Moses quit because Pharaoh is not going to hear? Should Elijah quit because Jezebel is not going to hear? Should Jeremiah quit because the people are not going to hear? No, they've got a work to do. Paul's got a message to preach. And there's going to be a multitude that's going to disbelieve and not hear. But that's not to discourage him. He should labor onward and preach. He tells Timothy, I, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Though a multitude doesn't believe, God may call some through my preaching. And I'm going to labor and I'm going to endure. I'm going to follow God and try to preach his gospel 
for those that will believe's sake, those that God will call, and those that God will enlighten. So Elijah says, he requests for himself that he might die, and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. I'm no better than anybody else. Boy, that's a good lesson to learn. We're not better than anybody else. We've not got any more strength than anybody else. And did Elijah? I think sometimes we see that and we say, we say, well, he was a he was a man that was special and above all other men. But the truth is, Elijah realizes I'm no better than anybody else, and neither are we. Just because we jump up and preach don't mean people are going to believe. Just because we try to, to knock them over the head don't mean they're going to believe and be saved. It takes God to do all things. And God has called his men to preach the word, to preach it in truth, to rightly divide it, to lay it out before. And God's doing the calling. God's doing the drawing. God is doing the saving. Paul says this in Corinthians, unto some that he's a saver of life unto life, and unto others he's the saver of death unto death. What's he doing? He's preaching the gospel, and he's accomplishing the will of God in preaching it. Now God may have the word preached unto some as a saver of death unto death, that God would be glorified and justified in preaching the word unto a people that are not going to believe. Well, everybody's got the chance. Did Pharaoh have the chance? God said before Moses ever went and spoke to him, God said, Moses, he's not going to hear. I've raised him up for one purpose, that I might be glorified in his destruction. Hard words, I realize that. But God's just in everything that he does, is he not? God's going to have Moses go and speak to him. God's going to work mighty works before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is not going to hear. God has, I don't know if you've read any of the descriptions. We've got a little note in every description of this Bible study that in such times of darkness under the kingdom of Ahab and Jezebel, God brought two of the mightiest prophets that there ever was to be in this time, in this hour. Elijah and Elisha, two of the most powerful men of the Old Testament uh, that, that ever was, God brought them forth. And Ahab, Jezebel are not going to believe. They're not going to repent. Is that Elijah's fault? It's not Elijah's fault. And it's not the preacher's fault. And men, encourage yourself in the Lord. Preach the word of God in spirit and in truth. And I, I know we're flesh and we're men of like passions like Elijah was. And there's that nature that's there that wants to be discouraged. I've been there and still get there often and have to remind myself of the word of God. Man wants to be disappointed. I thought sure they would come to the gospel at this message, surely. When Moses throwed that rod down and it turned into a serpent, surely Moses thought he'll see this and believe. 
But boy, it was going to go a whole lot farther than that. Elijah may have thought when Ahab gets back and it's raining and he tells about the fire that fell from heaven, surely Jezebel's going to believe. She's not going to. Her mind has been blinded by the God of this world. And the only hope they have is that God would shine out of darkness. Now preaching the gospel, wonderful. We ought to preach the gospel. Be instant in season and out of season. Rightly divide the word of God. We ought to pray that God would open the door of utterance that we could preach the word of God. We ought to labor. We ought to renounce hidden things of dishonesty. We ought to walk in a manner that would not bring a reproach on the message that we bring. And we ought to stand in every place and with every opportunity that we have to preach the word of God and to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ that saved us from eternal destruction and proclaimed the only hope that a lost and dying world has. We ought to stand on the word of God day by day, proclaiming the truth of the word to our people that are blinded. But know this, not everybody's going to believe. God help us to not be discouraged in the unbelief of them that are blinded by the devil and know this, that even though they may never believe, we are accomplishing a purpose in preaching the word of God to some. To some, the preacher is going to be a saver of life unto life. The message that the preacher brought was delivered to their heart and the light of the glorious gospel shined unto them by the Spirit and they're going to be redeemed by the grace of the Lord God. But to some, the preacher's message is going to be a savor of death unto death. They're going to hear it. They're going to reject it. They're going to disbelieve it. They're going to die lost and undone. Paul says, who's sufficient for these things? I believe had Elijah got his way, they had believed and repented. I believe that's in the heart of every man of God. Pastors especially that are intertwined with their flock. Their desire is to see everybody under their watch care believe the gospel and be saved. Paul says, who's sufficient for these things? My God, how could I stand myself and determine that? We can't. We do not determine it. It's God that worketh all things after the counsel of his will. We're just there to preach the word and rightly divide the word of truth. God, God will do the rest. Maybe we'll stop there for today. I wanted to get down into the encouragement that God brings to Elijah. Maybe we'll get there next time. But be encouraged in the Word of God. The Word of God is performing its intended means. The Word of God will accomplish and it will prosper in that that it's sent to. The Word of God's not always sent and I, I'm going to have some rejection on that. The Word of God's not always sent to bring life and salvation. The Word of God brings death to some. Brought death to Pharaoh. It's going to bring death to Jezebel. Brought death to Korah down in the wilderness when he rebelled against Moses and Aaron. It brought death to Saul who was unwilling to, to obey and unwilling to repent. And it's going to bring death to those that don't believe the gospel. The word of God is going to bring them to 
guilt, and to death. But thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for the power of his spirit that when we were lost and when we were blinded by the God of this world, that God, the Bible says in Corinthians 4 again, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Just He's calling back to the creation there that when God stepped out into a world that was void and without form and God said, let there be light and there was light, that's exactly what happened in the hearts of those that are saved. The gospel came by and God said to that individual, let there be light. And that's the way people are going to be saved. It's not that you don't do a good enough job telling it. It's not that we're not smart enough. I, I realize the devil assaults men in every way. It's not because you've not, uh, you've not just dug the right message out for them yet. No, God's going to have to say to that individual, let there be light and they be enlightened by the power of God. Thank God for his wonderful word. Thank God for, for the examples that he gives us. I hope you've had a wonderful week, and I hope your rest of your week is wonderful, that the Lord would bless you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We love you and pray for us.